Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Black woman. Beautiful. Powerful. Resilient female of African descent with skin kissed by the sun. Conversation. A talk, especially an informal one, between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. We love being black women. Black women are ambitious. Black women are confident. Black women are diligent. We are tenacious. We walk out of our houses put together. We are many shades and personalities of fabulous. But we as black women don't talk about our dilemmas, current events, and what's going on every day that affects us. So we created this podcast as a way to laugh together, cry together, and have an open conversation about life as black women. Oh, that's deep. Black Women Conversations. Hey, friends. As you all know, Nicole has been struggling with her voice for the past few weeks. Actually, I think since last year sometime. So Nicole needs a little bit of vocal rest so that we don't have Nicole with vocal fry. You all, please send prayers up for Nicole because we want her to get her voice back to normal. Dr. Plenty has to be like, you know, here for our podcast again. So you all pray for a swift recovery for Nicole. But you guys, I'm super, super excited because this week, a stand-in for Nicole is going to be Cheryl Jackson. Okay, for those of you all who have not listened to the podcast and have not heard me talk about her before, I'm going to give you a very brief introduction of who she is. So she's a legendary radio host, radio personality. She is also a radio programmer, and now she is a producer of a syndicated radio show. So you all, Full disclosure, this is the reason why I'm actually even in my field of work. I had all intentions of becoming a doctor of some sort. And yeah, that didn't really pan out. And there was someone who gave me a chance back when I was 16 years old. And you are about to listen to her. So hey, Cheryl. Hey, Janine. I'm excited. Thank you (laughs) so much for having me. (laughs) I'm so excited. Full circle moment for me. So how has your week been? What have you been up to? What's going on? Wow. So yeah, you said it. Executive producer for Get Up Mornings with Erica Campbell. And, you know, the week has been just really trying to prepare for our, our MLK show. Um, we never do um, the best of show. We always do a pre-record show. So my, um, you know, my week was preparing for them to do the pre-record show. And then on top of that, I am still doing the midday show. Um, you know, my own midday show and syndicated um, weekend show. So the week was full of production. The week was full of preparing. The week was uh, full of digging deep into what's trending, what's going on in the world, Um, you know, and then just kind of like, you know, handling my own gigs. I hosted a birthday celebration. Um, So went back to my college town um, to do that, my husband and I. So we had a really good time celebrating um, Lady Cookie Dickerson, Annette Cookie Dickerson, and kind of loving on the family that became family while I was in Salisbury, Maryland, attending undergrad. And um, so, you know, a lot of reflecting and going back down memory lane and loving on some people that kind of helped pave the way for me. So it was a, I would say a week of reflection, you know, kind of like uh, looking at where I was then and where I am now and Kind of like being okay, celebrating that that fact. <laughs> yeah. Yes, so exciting. I think that I think that every time when I hear you talk about someone, I remember you talking about them when I was young, and I'm like, oh, I know those people now. Like that yeah. now, I can put a face <laughs> to a name. Yes, <sighs> yes. So dope. yeah, that, that's so awesome. It's the years we got in this, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh my goodness. This week has been like, for me, it's been like, um, like a regroup because this would be the first like full week that we were back in the office. Cause you know, we take a couple of weeks off 
in the winter right. time because you know soccer season is really really long so there are a couple of weeks where they they're just like look we're shutting down the stadium and you know this we're gonna move on right and this was the first week and it was like everyone wanted to get everything done and it's actually getting done so like i'm excited about it but then i'm also like oh there's a lot of work ahead for the new year because now it's just planning 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 event after event and you know if it's teed up to be the way that it's supposed to be then it's going to be a very busy season so yeah. i'm excited i'm super excited but i'm also like okay let's figure out when we're going to get the breaks and the rest in here so season starts february and does not end until october and if we're great then it'll end in november so yeah i'm just excited for the busy time yeah me too me too. <laughs> busy is good for us right yes <laughs> we don't know how to tell sit you. still <laughs> Yes. And let me tell you, busy means that we are still employed, right? That's there the thing. Go. The people are like, oh, well, what's going on? I'm still working. And I let me tell you something. The one thing that I'm grateful about is I'm doing something that I really enjoy doing. It makes all the difference, all of the difference in the world. I remember my mother asking me when I was young, like, sorry, my dog is coughing. I remember my mother asking me when I was young, like, you know, well, you know, you really just have to do something to make money. And I, I remember saying like, well, if I do something that makes great money, but I don't enjoy it, then what? Like, yeah. then what am I doing? You know, my mother worked in the government for years, right? So there, it's like, it's a job. You make money, you can do what you want after you make the money. And for me, right. I just never had that mindset. So I, it, I struggled with that thing. Like, what am I supposed to do? How do I make money and actually enjoy it? And then it just happened. Like, of course, yeah. everything happens for a reason. But then I was like, oh, I really, really enjoy what I do. Like, I can't say that there's ever been a point that I don't enjoy what I do. Now, there have been some environments that I would prefer not to work in. But yeah. I don't think that, you know, I'm grateful that I've always had the opportunity to do something I really enjoy doing. You know, I think that generations um, before ours um, just literally, like you said, work um, to make a great living, right? And if they landed a job that allowed them to make a great living, they could care less whether they liked it or not. Um, but I think that, um, I know entertainment specifically is a passion. It has to be a passion because it's a labor of love, um, literally uh, going into it for many, many years. But when you're passionate about it, you learn to make it something that, that, that you can generate revenue from. And so, um, I like, I like, and I think that this generation, I have, you know, children that are generation Z and they're not looking for jobs to get by. They're looking for jobs, like you said, that will allow them to be passionate about it, um, that don't feel like work, even if they have to create that own, their own environment. So I think that, you know, generations have changed when it comes to that. Um, I want stability as a mom. I want stability for my children as well. But um, but being in a position, because my husband is probably in a job that he just, you know, know can make a, that that's made a lot of money and has been stable for our family. But it's not something that he enjoys. So he's counting the days down that he can retire. Right. But um, but I, you know, I, I love what I do. So I think I want to do this until I can't do it anymore. Yeah, you and me both. I just hope there are enough places for me to do it. And I yeah. love that people still like to go outside and still like to do things and have events and things. So as long as yeah. as long as people still want to enjoy one another and their company, I feel like I'll have a, have a job and something that I enjoy doing. Yeah, me too. All right. So Janine, what's on the timeline this week? Okay. Cheryl, Cat Williams is on our timeline. And to be very <laughs> honest with you, I feel like he's everywhere. But I think that if you haven't seen the entire interview on YouTube from um, Club Shay Shay with Shannon Sharp, or if you've only seen clips or snippets of it, I think that you can probably get the gist of kind of what happened. But basically, I'm not going to tell everyone exactly how the interview went. I'm not going to go through all of that. What I'm going to say, I will give you a couple of key points and, and basically say that, you know, Cat Williams went on club Shay Shay to basically air what I call his grievances, but he says that it's sharing his truth. So okay. if, for those who haven't actually heard it, and for those who, matter of fact, go watch it, go on YouTube, go to club Shay Shay, go Google it and find it because it actually is pretty interesting. Now, how truthful it is, I don't know. The only people who know how truthful it is are the people who were involved in Cat Williams. But I will say this, Cat Williams went on and he decided to, you know, basically give a little bit of context to some things that other people who have been on Club Shay Shay 
said. Like he wanted to make sure that what they were saying was actually the truth and not what he feels is their version of the truth. So here's my thing, Cheryl. I honestly believe that he probably is telling the truth. They might be telling the truth as well. And somewhere in the middle is what actually happened. I think that they each have their version of the truth. Like one of them is like, okay, this is how I perceive it. And the other one is like, this is how I perceive it. But reality is probably somewhere nestled in the middle there. So when he goes on, he says, one of the things that stuck out to me was he was on Ricky Smiley for a little while. And look, you and I have both had the pleasure of working with Ricky Smiley. And to be very honest with you, he don't mess with anybody. Nobody. He's one of the kindest people you ever (laughs) want to meet. I mean, seriously. So why is, I I agree. So why is Cat Williams bringing him into this? So apparently in some prior interview with Ricky Smiley, he made mention of his role in Friday and what it was supposed to be versus what it actually turned out being. And so then Cat said like, let me make sure that we clear this up because Cat wanted the truth to be what he perceived it to be. So he brought that up. Then the other person that he brought up, which is a little interesting to me, was Cedric. Now, he said that Cedric was out here stealing jokes. Now, they have shown... He's been saying that for years. Mm-hmm. Right. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. We all know that most comedians don't write their own jokes. Right. It's not new news. This is right. not something that we just found out when Cat Williams decided to go on Club Shay Shay. Most comedians have writers. And guess what most writers do? They recycle their content. And it's not exactly the same, but it often is very similar. And in this particular situation, they did bring up one thing that he mentioned and they, they showed the clip, which, you know, we might post it on social media, but they showed the clip and it's like, yeah, it's, I understand how similar it is and why you would think that. But again, Hey, that was a whole different generation of designer women. And now we're in the place where I, I didn't even remember it. I don't think that most people remembered it. Cat Williams remembered yeah. it though, so he wanted to share his truth. So then, if, you he, know, one reason is because that's how Cedric closed his set for the Kings of Comedy, uh, right? And it was a huge joke that kind of became big that people, you know, said was Cedric. Now, Ced says that he did that joke long before he even met Cat Williams, like he did you know, variations of it. And he, you know, mm-hmm. he developed it and that kind of thing, which probably means that it was content that they both kind of used. To me, it's just so mute because are you still doing this joke? Like, come on. And because, you know, he's mad because Cedric got a lot of great pub, you know, behind, you know, how he closed his jokes. But I mean, come on, Cedric's moved on. He's successful. You're successful. Why are we still holding on to this? But go ahead. I Look, Kat is holding on to a lot of stuff. I mean, he even went on to talk about how one of the comedians is illiterate. Now, let, yeah, let me uh, say this. It's let like me say every this. day something <laughs> else is coming from this podcast because they're releasing bits. And, it was almost a three-hour podcast. So yes. they are releasing bits and pieces of it. Last week, we got Steve Harvey. We got Sid. We got uh, D.L. Hughley. We got Ricky yep. Smiley. We got all of these people. We got Kevin Hart, you know, of how he felt about all these people. And now he's like bringing up more comedians this week. And the fact that he adopted seven kids, like it's it's a three hour podcast. And I don't have three hours to give him. So <laughs> every little, let me tell you. So every bits and piece that that's coming out is almost like, I mean, it's, it's brilliant for Club Shay Shay because it's giving him all kinds of views and all kinds of hits and all kinds of things with regards to his podcast so it's brilliant how his producing team is is doing it but you know I'm over it I'm over it <laughs> like right now you're sign, sounding like a whiny yeah, hello hello celebrity. and I <laughs> at agree this at this point, I agree yeah. and and honestly I feel a kind of way about the the way in which he went about it because he made it a point to talk about how he does not go onto shows to promote anything. He doesn't go onto shows to ask people to buy anything, which he doesn't. You know, we all know that Cat Williams really does radio, right? He can come into town with a comedy show. They may give away some tickets, but getting an interview with Cat Williams, it's very rare. And if we recall, 
Kat does all of these crazy interviews, and most times they're pretty contentious. Like they are. Some- I mean, he's one that I wouldn't even want in studio because he he antagonizes, right? And Absolutely. so you need a conversation piece when you're having somebody come in, and he's not that type. Like everything you ask him is just it's like a yes or no or you know controversial answer. And I I mean in the in the journalism world, I don't need it. <laughs> I don't need it. And so yeah, yeah. So I watched an interview that he did with. Um, the Frank Ski Show, and mm. the way that he railed the Frank's co-host yeah. was—I mean, it—I was like clutching my pearls. I wonder, yeah. you know, if if that was his intention when he went in, or if he just kind of became on the defensive because it was a little bit contentious on both parts. In fairness, right? Yeah. But but yeah. my thought with Cat is like now we know that you don't typically do interviews, so when you do one and you are so. Um, outwardly um, non-complimentary to all of these comedians, it really makes me wonder, like, what are you out here doing? And he yeah. did all of this under the guise of, I want to speak my truth. Now, yeah. Kat, we all know that you have gone to jail and you you claim that you don't do drugs, you claim that right. you're only doing smoking weed, but Kat, we've seen you be outside doing very odd things yeah, that so how, are, why should we why should we believe you on these other things? Yeah, yes. I get it. And yeah. this might be your truth. This might yeah. be the truth that you believe, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the truth, the right? Truth. And that's what I'm struggling with. That right there is the part that I'm like, you know, Kat, I'd like to believe you because some of this might actually be true, right? But some right. of these other people might actually be telling the truth, too. And as we know, people say, you know, they say men lie, men lie, women lie, numbers don't lie. But the reality is, is somewhere in the middle of all of this is where we will find the truth. And exactly. I mean, perfect <sighs> example is what he said about Ricky Smiley and the whole role that he had in Friday. Right. And so Ricky said when he first got the script, they had him doing the same role that that they actually gave Kat. So, but when he came back in, they, they shifted it. So it was the truth in that cat, you know, that, you know, that cat did get the role. Right. But that doesn't mean that, that Ricky wasn't, didn't read the role first. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean, but then cat came back and said, well, why would they make me the Santa? Because I'm, I'm five, two, but, but you know, you and I both know how production houses are. So you come into audition for one role that we thought we wrote for you. And then somebody else comes in and it sounds a little better. It's like, okay, let's give him this role, but I don't, I still want him to be a part of it. So then I'll give him this role. That happens. That happens. And it's nothing wrong with, um, it's nothing wrong with that. And that's what Ricky was saying. Ricky came in to say, it wasn't that I, I mean, my truth was that they offered me that role first. Right. Mm-hmm. But because I because you did it and they thought you did it better then they also created this role for me. And that's fine. We're both yeah. in it. So what's the issue? What is the issue? Because his thing was they always created that role for me. Ricky was lying about that. That's so dumb. <laughs> it's so dumb. And you made the role iconic. And so Ricky did what he did in the movie. He was great in it. So be it. And my question is. Who cares? Like really who honestly, cares? who cares? And that's, I think out of everything, that's probably my issue is how people respond to this stuff, right? And how now everybody's taking his side and everybody's, oh, he's telling his truth and cats this and cats that. But to me, it's like you like mess. Like you, you know, you the average person listening to this podcast just like mess. So now you're just going to jump on somebody's side, right? That's where I think yeah. I get frustrated because I can't watch the comments because I'm thinking you toxic and you toxic and then you're toxic too. <laughs> but <laughs> so- honestly, Cheryl, I feel like journalism is becoming toxic, right? And that sounds mm-hmm. crazy because yeah, I mean, is. you and I both know that there was, okay, so initially let's go back. So this is kind of how I broke it down in my mind, right? So initially we had the era of journalism where it was straight news, everything facts had to be verified, multiple sources, blah, 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 Like actual And I'm still from that school. I'm still journalism. from that school of thought. I'm still Absolutely. from that school of thought. I'm not reporting anything that came from a blog. 
Like I need this to come from the AP. I need this to come from a reputable source. I need this to come from a news source that I know who have fact checked and fact checked it twice before. It yes. Out. Yes. And then we move from that journalism, the society, I'm not going to say we, but society moved from that form of journalism to, mm-hmm. okay, we did that like shock jock thing. Remember the Howard Sterns yeah. of the world, the Rush Limbaugh's of the yeah. world, the Wendy Williams of the world. I mean, the even if, of the world. absolutely. And then we went to like, remember the Barbara Walter interview National where she Inquirers. asked, <laughs> yes, but even, even the hard news people, the Barbara Walters of the world went to the Whitney Houston interview, remember? And if we mm-hmm. remember Gail King, she did the interview with Robert Kelly. And we all were just sitting like bated breath, right? And we've moved from that era to now where the, the journalists aren't asking the questions anymore. These, the people that are coming to be interviewed are coming like, I'm about to provide the shock value. And they give all of this information that no one asked for because <laughs> they want to share their truth. No one asked you to give us all this info. No one asked you, Kat, to say that what, what your truth is going to be like. But people are coming. They're like, I'm going to be a great guest because I'm going to give you this shock value. And no one is looking for it. But the problem that I'm having is we as the consumers are sitting watching it. So guess yeah. what? You watch it. You comment on it you get more of it, right? And, it's, and yes, the thing that true. frustrates me is that there are people who are true journalists, right? There are two people who, but a number of um, networks only want, you know, gossip columnists, um, podcasters. We're starting to see even now in our local news setting, how they're all, they're bringing in more radio personalities. You know, when I started doing media, I, you know, I looked at whether I wanted to do television and if I wanted to do radio and I was more accepted on the radio side because I was more personable on the news side. You had to literally be stoic. You literally had to deliver it a certain type of way uh, in order for it to be a reputable news cast. And so for me, radio worked because I was able to put my personality into it. Now they're looking for more news people to be more personable. They're looking for it. They're looking to see how many followers you have on your social media page, how social you are, how you can bring that type of news setting to the news. So it's not hardcore, hardcore news anymore. Um, they've got influencers coming in now talking gossip and what's trending and all of those things to make it more um, palatable. So you don't really have, you know, the Tom Brokaws of the world anymore, if you will, the Barbara Walters of the world anymore. You know, talk shows, I think, have had a hand in that. And so now the scary part for me is you've got bloggers who are not real journalists now becoming these gossip columnist people who are creating the mess. You know what I mean? And people are following it and calling them reputable. And sponsors are buying into it. And that to me is scary. It just really is. I mean, and and I can even speak to that on the Christian broadcasting side, the Christian radio side. And it just, it unnerves me to no end. It just, it just. Let me tell you, you would think that we, that on the Christian side of things, you would be, you would be exempt of this, right? But we all have seen that. I mean, look, they, they drug T.D. Jakes into the whole Diddy scandal and I don't even and know how still it drag, And still drugging him. Still because somebody I, cited him at one of Diddy's parties and, you know, all the things that they are, you know, allegedly said happened at a Diddy party saying that he engaged in those things. Um, but they have no proof of that. And so, you know, so the question is, too, do you answer to this bulk, these bogus allegations? I mean, I mean, I'm dealing with that even on our side of things because you had Kelly Price coming out talking about her truth and alluding to, you know, Erica and Jonathan and and Kirk Franklin being a part of something um, that had nothing to do with them. But she, you know, kind of like threw them under a bus, if you will, saying, I'm the only one that was on here sanctified with my husband doing what I did. And now you've got this person doing infidelity and this person womanizing and this person being, you know, adulterous and this person being promiscuous. But nobody asks for that, Kelly. Nobody. And And was that the truth? Is that your truth? And so me being the executive producer, I'm like, Erica, you might want to say something. And Erica, and this is one of the things I'm learning, and we'll get into this later, is that you don't have to speak to everything. You know, you don't have to defend everything. And but I would just like prevail. to absolutely a hundred percent. And I would just like to remind everyone specifically about the Kelly situation. 
Do we remember that maybe a year ago, if not two, <laughs> that she went missing, missing. randomly? And then Amber we were all searching. <laughs> we we're searching for Kelly Price. And then all of a sudden she was back together and then she was Just here. And then it was something about the husband. And we're like, Kelly, we let that go. We let we let right. all that go. Kelly, I'm going to need right. you to let this go. Because I don't know what you're talking about. But now it's right. kind of looking mentally unstable. That's what that's giving. And, and I don't. Yes, and again, we really but would like now, to help but support. The but here's the frustration is, is reputable news sources are now picking up on it. It's like now taking, getting steam. Like why is black enterprise carrying this story? Like why is, you know what I mean? Like it's so crazy. It started off with bloggers and, you know, you know, people digging into it being messy. And now it's like getting steam. Like, like why? Because people <laughs> like mess. And it's just, it's, it's, it's disheartening. It's disheartening mm. is what it is. Yeah. I think that we all we all should be um, empathetic to other people's mess, but I don't think that we should get involved. We all have our right. own mess and we all have Come our on. own. I mean, literally, anybody could say anything. I was just thinking as you were saying and when I was when I was like, I don't even know how, you know, T.D. Jakes got into it. And you were like, oh, he was seen at one of Diddy's parties, not for nothing, but we've all been seen at a party at some point where Girl. we probably wish we hadn't been seen at right <laughs> like i've let me let me say one of the things you know we, you know how when you go to work and you have those like icebreaker moments one of the icebreakers that we had one day was what is something that you that you know but you wish you didn't know and mine was i know what the inside of r kelly's house looks like now are you gonna judge me on that have at yeah. it judge all judge away right yeah but i know what happened i know why i went there i know what happened right. when i was there and it wasn't for anything nefarious it was literally for a, an album release right mm -hmm. so let's talk about like people can draw conclusions and make two and two equal six just because they feel like it right yeah. and the problem is everyone has a platform but we gonna we gonna we gonna let it be because you know the people the listeners they have some uh some some questions that they wrote into us and I think they want us to dig into their mess a little bit. Okay. So Cheryl, you want to go first with your question? Yeah. So this letter is very, very interesting. <laughs> it took a really interesting twist, but um, listener number one said, Hey ladies, I've been holding this in for a while now. I told myself that I would take this to my grave, but my feelings have changed. I now feel like it is time for me to share my truth. <laughs> that right there is scary. Before I share with uh, this with you two, I want to give you a disclaimer. This all happened before I got my life together. So here it is. I first started going to church in college. I really enjoyed it because it gave me a sense of stability. So it seemed I was there every time the doors of the church was open. I eventually started dating the pastor's son. As soon, So as you can imagine, I still wanted the college experience. I was a bit wild and I wasn't ready to settle down. Todd, on the other hand, was laser focused on positioning himself to become assistant pastor. So we eventually broke up. I ended up moving back home and getting married to my wonderful husband. Todd got married as well and became assistant pastor. Fast forward 10 years later, my husband landed a great job in Memphis. So we moved back and joined the church that I used to attend in college, where my ex was the assistant pastor. When I saw my ex, it was the chemistry. Uh, it was the chemistry was exactly where we left it. I ended up having an affair with my ex. We only slept together a few times when then we then realized that it wasn't right and we didn't want to hurt our spouses. So we called it quits and promised never to speak of it again. I got pregnant with my youngest daughter a few months after the affair, where at least I thought it was a few months after until my daughter arrived three months early and I didn't have to go to the NICU. While it dawned on me then that Todd might be um, my daughter's father, I didn't bring it up because we agreed never to speak on it. Well, Todd is now the pastor of the church. After his father passed away, I really want to find out if he is the father of my daughter. And I want to share my truth so that the people know, see, this is weird, so that the people know who their pastor really is. Ladies, should I share my truth publicly and find out who my daughter's father is? Or should I take this to my grave as we agreed? What would you do? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What would I do? <laughs> First okay. off, I wouldn't have slept with the pastor. How about that? <laughs> Hello. Okay, so let's go back. Let's go back. Okay. So, so she, this was her ex-boyfriend in college, and she's yeah. now got married and then moved right. back to Memphis. And let me tell you something. I know for a fact that there's more than one church in Memphis. Girl. I do. So why did number you go one. back? Why number did you go one. back to the church where your ex is the assistant pastor? Okay. So now you sat underneath of this man after you, you had an affair, you admitted to having an affair, but you all, you know, you let the Holy Spirit intervene and you decided that hey, we shouldn't do this anymore. Got it? Right. So mm-hmm. you you let it go, but you got pregnant. And yep. at no point in did however long did you think that this was the father. Your daughter showed up early, but you still didn't say anything. My concern now is the timing of this because you yeah. don't want to say anything until he becomes pastor. Mm-hmm. Wait, what happened when he was assistant pastor? Yeah. It was okay then because you knew that your daughter showed up a couple months early and she didn't go in the NICU then. Yeah. So what happened now? I'm con- I'm really confused. And I'm more confused because I'm confused about the motives here. Because yeah, so the why, motives. Because why do you want to expose him now? Like that, that sentence that says, so that the congregation can know who he is. Like, do so not only will the congregation know who he is, but they're going to know who you are. Cheryl, because the it words takes out of two. my mouth. It Hello. takes two. It takes two. So not only is the congregation going to know that, and, and what is that going to do for his witness? What is that going to do for the people that trust in him after the, you know, from this mistake that, you know, and it was a mistake for you guys to have an adulterous relationship, right? Mm-hmm. So it dawned on you uh, after the fact that we shouldn't be doing this. You know, because he said, she said, we only slept together a few times when we realized so that's when you realized after you slept together a few times, when we realized that it wasn't right. You knew that. You knew ma'am. I was about to say. <laughs> you knew it wasn't right when the first when you the first when you first started having feelings for him, you knew that. Now, I'm a believer, and the scripture says, resist and flee. So I'm like you. When you knew you started having feelings for this pastor. You probably should have said to your husband, you know what? Let's look for another church only because. Because here's here's what here's where the truth is. Tell your husband you dated this man before they got married. Sure. And have I this feel like she didn't, though. No, obviously, because have this conversation with your husband that I'm not comfortable with sitting under his leadership because it was a time I dated him. And. You see, we don't want to tell our spouses our weakness. And the weakness mm. is that, I, you know what, I, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing him differently. I'm not even able to receive the way I should receive because I dated him years ago. So I think maybe we should find another ministry. And then maybe you are wedded to the ministry because you really like it. Then you need to work on you and let Holy Spirit deal with those issues, those feelings that you had for the pastor. And let Holy Spirit do the work in you. That's what should have happened, right? So, okay, let's say that didn't happen. Now move forward. You slept with him. Y'all realize we're going to take this thing to our grave. And in the midst of it, because here's the thing, you can repent for a thing. God will forgive you for it, but there are consequences for your actions. And now you having a kid that you think might be this pastor's is the consequence. Is the consequence. So what do you want to... What do you want to do to expose this truth? Because when you do expose this truth, let's say he's not the father. Now your husband know you slept with him unless y'all get these tests and not tell nobody else after that, right? But first off, get the test. Get the test. If the test comes out that he not the father, then you can continue to take it to your grave. <laughs> but if the test comes back to say, now what's going to happen if the test comes back to say that he is the father? 
Because now you're disrupting your marriage, his marriage, and the child. And to be very honest with you, Cheryl, I still question the motives. And I think that the yeah. motives are unpure. And I yeah, think that whatever comes of it, regardless of whether she finds out that that is the father or isn't the father, whatever comes of it, I think that it's going to be a demise because yeah. she is the... I, I struggle with the timeline here, right? Yeah. When you when you first found out, you should have said, okay, I want to know if you really genuinely want to know who your child's father is, right when you first realized like, wait a second, my baby came early. She didn't have to go to the NICU. This baby might have been actually full term. That's when you should have gotten the paternity test, right? You should have quietly gotten the paternity test and then had a conversation with him about how you all are going to handle it. But what you really should have done, back to your point, Cheryl, is this should have never happened to begin with. And my question is, why do you not have a better relationship with your husband that you should be, you shouldn't be writing us. You should be trying to figure this out with your husband because this is messing with your mind somehow. Subsequently, you want to come out the pastor, but you and your husband are members of this man's church. You this are about giving, to ruin a lot of lives here. This is giving, I still like him. Amen. Tell the truth. Cause that's this real, is given. I still like him. Sound, and maybe this is my chance absolutely. to be with him. That's absolutely. Because it's not giving, I really, it's your child isn't sick. Doesn't need a bone marrow transplant. Doesn't need blood transfusion. There's no reason for you really at this very moment, aside from the fact that he now went from assistant pastor to pastor. And that, and to your point, Cheryl, that line that she said about, she wants the people to know what are, what, why do the people matter? You wow. have a lot of people involved. Why do you want extra people involved in this mess? That's the part that I'm not quite yeah, understanding. Yeah, that's my thing. Why should you go public with this? Like, so the people will know who their pastor is? Pastors falter. They're human. Obviously, because they slept with you when they were still married to their wife. But Hello. he came to himself at some point to say, we shouldn't be doing this. Both of y'all did, which is a good thing. So what are you exposing? What are you getting from exposing what you think is your truth? It feels like a clout chase to me, Cheryl. Me too. It feels like a clout chase. It feels like, guess what? I slept with the pastor. Yeah, right. So what if this baby is his? Now what's that going to do for you? But make you look like that slept with the pastor. <laughs> I mean, really? And then think about this. The other part of it is, is what is that going to do to your child? What is right. that going to do to your other children? Because you said that's the youngest. So what is that going to do yeah. to your other children? So your this child family. is going to, you are just about to drop a bomb into the middle of your family, into the middle of your peaceful family. Now, if you yeah. want to share it with your husband because you don't want to keep that secret from him anymore, have at it, right? Have at if it. you want to share it with the pastor because you think that that might actually be his child, have at that too. But I have a sneaking suspicion that if you think that that might be his child, he probably thinks it might be his child too. So he probably yep. is having those same feelings that you are. Girl, what are you trying to be out here talking about? Because I don't want you to be out here talking about because the people are going to be talking about you. Yeah. They don't forgive the pastor. To clear your conscience and to do all of that, go ahead and do the DNA test, right? Go ahead and do the intake so y'all you can clear your conscience and find out. Now, what once you get the results, now you have to ask God what to do with that. And I mean, ask God, not in your own feelings, not in what you think why should happen. And should the congregation know this? No. If since you're asking our advice, no. The congregation Amen. shouldn't. Now, what should happen if this if if your child is his child, it's a conversation he needs to have with his wife, and it's a conversation you need to have with your husband. And then there's a conversation you need to have with your child. Otherwise, take this to your grave. <laughs> and I would venture to say, <laughs> why even take the test? You might should just take this to your grave. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you know, you're about to mess girl, up You know, way generations too much. before us, honey, honey, they done took half this stuff to their girl, fathers, <laughs> grandfather. They, they done took all this stuff to their grave. <laughs> Look, at this point, you know, I was, I was talking to one of my friends the other day. She said, I mean, at this point, all the stuff that I've been found out since my parents had passed away, she said, I feel like I might have to check some DNA with my husband, make sure we're not kinfolk. I said, now, right. girl. But that's true because there were certain I things. I told that my you mother, just, if I'm not my father's, don't tell me. Ever. Don't tell me. I don't care I'm at good. this point. 
They we both sleeping with donor. Jesus right now. So if you, she was like, she cursed me out, of course. But I was like, <laughs> but I was oh. like, I don't wanna, you know, my mom, she was like, girl, I ain't sleeping with her. What you talking about? <laughs> Honey, so I don't know if that if that was ever true or not. And I believe that I was his daughter. You know, I have too many of his traits. I have a half sister and she and I look just alike. So I know. And I thought I looked like my mom till I met my half sister. But um so I I believe that I am his child. But you know, it's just so I don't want to know that. I know him as my daddy. I know him as that. I don't want to know that. Don't disrupt my life like that. Y'all, you know, take that to y'all grave. That's, that's just what, me. That's you just and me. me both, especially at this that's age, right? Right. At this age, and it's like everybody and, don't and, need to know your truth. <laughs> Let's say that. And everyone doesn't <laughs> want to know it because I'm sure that your children and your husband and the pastor's wife and even the pastor, everybody is probably like, we just hope you keep this truth and and take it to Jesus because we don't yeah. we don't need to know all of that. Tell some, keep some, always have some. That's what. The, yeah. Uh, Okay, we're going to move on to the next letter. So this one says, hi, ladies, love the podcast. I appreciate the space you provide for us to vent and talk about real life issues. Okay, so I need your advice. My supervisor is very successful. He oversees several divisions of the corporation that we work for. He knows what he's doing and has been able to turn around the work culture since he joined the company. The owner and employees love him. He has truly gotten the buy-in from everyone. It's like he walks on water. He can do no wrong. However, as his executive assistant, I see a very different side of him. I see a man that flies by the seat of his pants, an executive that forgets his wife's birthday and sends me to get gifts for her. I see a workaholic father that consistently breaks promises to his children and a man who makes decisions by the mere flip of a coin. I was recently asked to do an executive assistant spotlight for a local administrative administrative awards. My gut is telling me to keep it PC, but part of me wants to share how he really is behind the scenes. Ladies, what do you think I should do? Signed, Kiana. Mind your business. <laughs> Tab of the brown saying that's my business. No, um, but seriously, your job is to assist him. Your job is to be the executive assistant. And obviously, he needs an executive assistant, right? And we're only as good as the people that we hire in our departments. We're only as good. He is, he's shining because he's, he's hired some people who can assist him in the areas where he's weak. And that, that to me, is a, the mark of a good leader. Right. And so he's gotten all the accolades. Uh, so you have to un ask yourself, what's what's your motive? Like he's gotten all these awards because he's a great this and he's that he shifted culture. He's been able to. So if he's if he's been making decisions by the mere flip of a coin, obviously the coin's been working because his reputation you know, speaks for him. And so your job as the assistant is to is to help him shine. That's exactly what will you gain? for coming off to say this is that, you know, that he forgets his wife's birthday or he's not a good father or what will you gain from that? But unemployment, like seriously, what, what is your mode? And you don't need to be an assistant. So now we have to question, are you a good assistant? Are you a good administrative assistant? Cause the truth of the matter is just like pastors we talked about earlier and leaders, they're human too. And so in some areas they may falter. They may falter in character. They might be, like you said, this great person on the executive end, but their personal lives might be in shambles. We don't know. But whatever your role is as the assistant is what you should do. All that other judgment piece, I'm, I'm like you now, check your motive as to why you want to share that. I agree. And I've been on both sides of this, right? Both sides of yeah. this coin where I was the assistant. And mm -hmm. there were some much, much more glaring things in this. Let me be very clear. You're talking yeah. about forgetting birthdays and missing games and stuff. Like, girl, there are a lot more like salacious things that could be happening as an executive assistant that you might be seeing than forgetting birthdays and making decisions with a flip of a coin. Look, yeah. sometimes it comes down to just 
I gotta have, I just gotta say yes or no. And I, there, and the, the, the coin is, is weighted both the same on each side. So let me just yeah. make a decision and this is how it's gonna happen, right? And there are times where you miss birthdays, you miss, I mean, for goodness sakes, I did a show every year on Mother's Day that I missed Mother's Day for like four years, right? Wow. And, and yes, it disappoints someone, but at the same time, they understand that this is my job, right? And yeah. I'm pretty sure that my husband, I, I don't think that I've done this yet, but I th I'm pretty sure that there's been points where my husband has asked for help from someone for a gift for me because he's busy doing other things. And let me be very clear. I don't mind the fact that you actually took the time to think, let me ask someone else for help so that I can at least make sure that the day is what it needs to be is better to me than saying, I'm just going to forget about it altogether, right? So here's my thing. What is it that you're about to reveal? Because this doesn't seem like it's anything to tell, right? It just don't mm -hmm. make you seem like a petty executive assistant. And to be very honest with you, yep. to your point, Cheryl, if you're an executive assistant, your job is to protect the information, the calendar, the whereabouts, the all of the things for, for your executive, right? And the fact that you are even thinking about sharing this information, maybe you shouldn't be an executive assistant, to be very honest with you. I don't think that this is what you should do because there are things as an executive assistant or as any kind of assistant that you just have to keep quiet. It's none of your business. How these people operate in their, their personal life has nothing to do with you. You didn't say you were a personal assistant. You said you were an executive assistant. So outside of the executive realm, that ain't your business, girl. It's not, it's not your, your business. business. <laughs> no. Stop it. And you're you're getting accolades if somebody's trying to talk to you for a spotlight for the administrative awards. Girl, get your accolades and mind your business. Yes. The way I mean, that he got line. there, the way that he got there is not by doing stuff like this. I promise you it's not. We're not in the business of outing people. And that's the thing that I that I think bothers me the most about this whole like, I want to share my truth. The problem is we're out here sharing our truth and we're outing people and making unnecessary drama because we're making the unnecessary drama for both ourselves and other people. But for what? For some clout, for two seconds of fame so that you can get clicks or likes or get more followers? What are we out here doing? Have we really deduced our lives to this? Let's just keep this good job you got here. And if you're the executive assistant to this good executive, because it seems like this executive, you said that they got the buy-in from everybody, right? Right. If they have the buy-in from everybody, why are we why are we concerned over here about mm -hmm. what they're doing when that does not have anything to do with their job and their elevation in that realm? Is the wife the complaining? Truth of the matter is, as an administrative assistant, you may see the weaknesses of your leader because your job is to assist them to help them to be yep. great. It's like women, like women. As wives, we were created to help our husbands, right? And ultimately, now this is me as a believer. So your listeners that, or, you know, those who are listening to the podcast may have a different perspective of what the role of the wife is. But biblically, the role of the wife is to assist the husband to lead. And so Absolutely. therefore, you need to marry people who you can trust to lead, right? And the awesome thing about women is that we were created to help them lead. So how they lead and the success of how they lead is also based upon how we've helped, right? So as an administrative assistant, that is the same role that you have. Your role is to assist him to lead successfully, period. So that means you're going to see some weaknesses. That means you're going to see some places where he's vulnerable. That means you're going to see some things that are not measuring up to what his success is. But your role was to, is hired to help him in the areas that he need help in. That is your role. And for you to expose those weaknesses and vulnerabilities says a lot about you. You. Amen. And, and here's my question. Why at your peak, at your height, because I'm assuming that this is, you know, an award that's, you know, typically a high point in a career. Why is it at your height do you take that opportunity to expose someone? You know, mm -hmm. I would I would suggest that you go and really figure out one, if this is even what you want to do, because it doesn't seem like it is, right? And then mm -hmm. two, my thing is really figure out like maybe this is time to have some self-evaluation, right? So reflect. Mm -hmm. Reflect on what makes your boss 
the person that you feel like people think he walks on water? And what Mm -hmm. is it that you have that that could make people think the same thing? And maybe thinking about the great qualities of your boss and the things that you can get from those qualities and the things that you can learn, even from the negative qualities, maybe, so that when you become that in that position, you can succeed and excel, as opposed to thinking about how to expose him. Girl, let me tell you this. On the road up, I will say this. There's a lot that you're going to see that you are not going to agree with, that you are not going to like, and you should not speak on. Just because you see it doesn't mean that you need to speak on it. There's a lot. I can't even begin to tell you how much I've seen that I will close my eyes and be with Jesus. And it's only me, the Lord, and the person that I'm referring to will know. Because guess what? Everything isn't meant to be spoken on. And sometimes you can just keep that to yourself and and ask the Lord to just take it away. Because it's not even something that you need to be involve yourself with. And these things that you have noted to us. They're not even, they're not even noteworthy. And let me be transparent. I've been in in your shoes. Like, like Janine said, we've been in places where our bosses may have been incompetent. Our bosses may have, you know, had personal issues, but you know, when you have relationship and I have to always lean on this, when I have, by me having relationship with the Lord, the Lord will show you, you, and will ask you, what is your motive for trying to expose them? What is your motive for being disobedient to them? What is your motive? Because the bottom line is you have to answer for yourself. And it's a hard truth. I even had to expose because we've all been in that space where we may have had, you know, bad leadership or, you know, whatever. But what what is your role? My role is to be in the space that I'm in and, and to perfect where I'm supposed to be. So when you receive your award, that's what you'll say. I'm honored to be in a space where I can be trusted with the vulnerable side of such a powerful person. Do you know what I mean? Like your award and your accolade should be that I'm, you know, I'm honored to be in a space where I can create and build to assist this powerful man or woman in, in the role that they have. Because that means I have a role in their success and I have a role in what they've, uh, what they've brought to the company. I have, a, I have a part in what made this person successful and what made the company successful. That's your stance and that's your accolade. But to expose is not the space. It's not. And if that's where your heart is, then you have to do some evaluation. And that's a hard truth. We, I think all of us in our own personal space have to do that kind of evaluation. I agree. And the one thing that I will add, and then I'll let this part go. The one thing that I will add is, you know, something, and I think that you've probably experienced this too, is you will get yourself back as, as when you get to leadership, you will get yourself back as your assistant. And it sounds crazy, but the thing, like there are things that I've done and been like, you know what, that didn't feel good when I was an assistant. And I've gotten that back, right? Not saying that it's like a, a lick back, but you will see what you've given out as a, as a, as a subordinate when you become a leader and you will have to navigate that same space. You don't want to be that person, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to put that out into the universe so that when you are in leadership, someone is out here trying to expose you all the time. Don't do it. Just don't. It's just bad. (laughs) It's just bad. Let me tell you something. Mm -hmm. I was, I was, um, a very like, and Cheryl, you know this about me. I was very much a go-getter as a, as an assistant, right? Like when I was an assistant, I was like, Hey, can you, can I do? And, and sometimes people would let me go and sometimes people wouldn't. Right. And I didn't really handle the people not letting me go very well. Cause I don't really handle being micromanaged. Well, self-aware, I will tell you that all day, right? Like, let me be, and I will bring you back a, a wonder, but just don't, don't look over me. Right. And, but that doesn't work for everyone, right? So you have to adapt to the environment that you're in. And for me, it came back to me as a leader when I'm like, oh, this things are going great. You know, everything is wonderful. And then someone was like, whoa, 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 you're micromanaging me. And I'm not a micromanager naturally, right? But it was that, and I literally remember thinking to myself, wow, Janine, this is you. This is you 10, 15 years ago coming saying, I need you to stop micromanaging me. When that might not have been what they were doing, they might've just needed a little extra guidance or needed to give me a little extra guidance or help here. 
but I got myself back. And the Lord got a good way of doing that to you. Let me tell you, Listen. right? If you will see yourself in some things and you're like, why am I dealing with this? And then he'll bring it to your remembrance. He'll, he will be like, hey, remember when? And, and that's the only thing that I thought. But to, to what, is, I don't even remember the girl's name. Um, Kiana, Kiana, let me say this. You will go far. You are clearly doing well in your, in your role, right? That's why you're mm -hmm. up for an administrative award. Don't tarnish what your success can look like by being petty and, and creating unnecessary drama. Don't do it. Just don't do it. We're not talking, we're not, we're not giving you anything that we, any advice that we wouldn't take ourselves. Just let it go. Right. It's not important. How he deals with his family is not important. Let, right. let it go. Let, let him live in his success while you live in yours. Yep. Great. Okay, Cheryl. So Cheryl, what did you learn new this week? So I was sharing earlier how every situation doesn't warrant a response. Every situation doesn't warrant a response. So I think one of the major things that I've learned this week is, is simply that. Like, even if it's somebody who has scandalized your name, even if it's somebody who's, um, you know, alluding to you being, you know, you know, somebody insubordinate or somebody who, you know, with a negative um, background, it doesn't always warrant your response, especially if it's not true, especially if it's not true. We talked about these uh, bogus um, bloggers and how they've gotten um, overnight success because they're digging for dirt and they're looking for ways to expose people. And the only reason that they are successful in that space is because you have other people who are just as messy as they are who wants that kind of information, who wants to feed off of that kind of energy. And not all of that you know, warrants your response. I had a mentor um, reach out to me. She's a first lady who had been dealing with uh, somebody in her congregation who's targeted her and her husband. And of course, when you're in leadership, you're always going to be targeted. And so she's saying to me, listen, I want to defend my husband. I want to defend my marriage. I want to defend my child and our family. So I really want to say something. But my advice to her is that is is if you give these bloggers or because somebody, you know, it was a blog that kind of like tried to expose them. And so I was like, if you give them a response, it causes them to be successful because that blogger reaches out to them and says, hey, what's your response to this? Because they want people, you know what I mean, to list, to watch their blog and they want to continue the mess and they want it to be continued on their platform. So if you don't give them the audience, if you don't give them the response, guess what? It stops there. And even if the other person is still doing what they're doing and causing more controversy and causing all this stuff, the truth will prevail. And not everything is warranted your response. And that's not always easy, especially somebody with my background who wants to beat you down for telling a lie on my behalf. <laughs> but let me tell you, God is growing me and strengthening me. And what I understand is that, and even in our church, my pastor gave me that prophecy is that there may be some people even, uh, you know, wanting to scandalize my name eventually, but how I handle it makes the difference. And I'm going to win that battle. I'm not going to handle it the way I normally would. I'm going to, I'm going to handle it the way God tells me to handle it. And if he says, shut up and don't respond, guess what? I will do that. So that's one of the biggest lessons I think I've learned this week. Cheryl, I think the Lord's still working on me with that lesson because the Lord knows. <laughs> you want to, you want to, you do. Sure. Too, Sometimes I just want to be looking at these people like, especially, and, and this, I struggle with this a lot, especially with men, right? When men, when men get into the messiness, I always struggle with it because I really want to just read them because it's like, why are you, why are you so messy? And don't you have something else to do? Like when men start being catty, it just, it, it just rubs me a different way than when women are catty, right? And yeah. unfortunately, and I mean, you know, you know what this is like, we work in a male dominated industry. And so yeah. when men start being the catty ones, you're like, now, Lord, I know you said not say anything, but can I just say something? Can I just, yeah. can I just let them know that I know? And sometimes like, I really struggle with that. So, oh, Lord, that was, help that's me with the that lesson too. I'm learning, but I'm going <laughs> to conquer it. 
Because everything doesn't warrant a response. It doesn't. It doesn't. Okay, so I'm going to tell you what I learned. And I went to statistics. So this came from civicscience.com. And, you know, they're one of those websites that does, like, civic polls, right? Mm -hmm. And it basically says that the majority of adults can always say that they say, and this is, you know, self, self reporting, they say that they can keep secrets about 55% of the time. And then 40% of them say that they can keep secrets sometimes. And then the rest, they just, just don't tell them anything because they're not going to keep nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. And then this is something that I found very interesting and kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, how the generations are different. So Gen Zers, 1824, they're likely to not Keep your secrets. Yes. Yep. They're not going to keep secrets for you. Whereas 55 plus, they'll keep all of the secrets. And that's what we were talking about. You know, our mm-hmm. our our parents and grandparents generation, they take it. Look, you would be hard pressed <laughs> to get something out of them. And honestly, unless somebody has some proof, you weren't getting right. information out of them. Right. Okay. They took it to their grave and you couldn't, you can't prove it no more because they sleeping with Jesus, honey. Hello. Listen, and to but be you're very right, honest the- with you, why are we not like that? Because some of this stuff, I feel like we share too much. I don't want to yeah. know. I don't care. It's yeah. already too much stuff that clouds my day. I don't need to yeah. know about Mr. and him and them. And I don't need to know all of that. And I understand that mm-hmm. it's your truth. You know what we should suggest? I think that we should suggest that if you really want to talk and speak your truth in that manner, talk to your therapist about it. Yeah. Honestly, talk to the Lord and then talk to your therapist because sometimes people really feel the like genuine need to have a conversation with someone about it. Talk to your therapist. Everything doesn't need to be public. I love what, what you've um, researched from psychology today. And I want to share that as well. Um, You know, um, from psychology today and it's when to share and when not to share. So psychology today says you do share if judgment or shame are the only things holding you back, judgment and shame. Right. And then keeping the secret is a burden because sometimes keeping secrets can manifest to illness, right? Cause it's the stress of, right. So keeping the system, um, secret is a burden and then not telling puts another person at risk. If, if, like you said, medical emergency situations, um, where you can't be a donor because you really are not the father or situations like that is when you should share the truth. But even in sharing the truth, like we said, for our first um, listener, is that 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 truth can be shared with among family. It doesn't mean that it has to be something you broadcast to the congregation or to the public. It could be uh, something that you share within your family so that your family structure and the confines of your own your own family is able to, um, you know, to grow and move from. And then, so do share if those things happen and don't share if you're just repeating gossip, right? You have no truth, no validity, nothing that supports it. Don't share if the secret isn't yours to tell. And this, and this is, um, this goes back to even what I was talking about with Kelly Price, whatever, like you, somebody said to her, you know, you need deliverance and she, and, and, and her saying, and her rebuttal, she threw some people trying to throw some people under the bus. And, and you're just repeating gossip now. This secret isn't yours to tell, number two. And then number three, sharing puts other people at risk. If that's the case, then don't share. Then don't share. So look at those three things. You're just repeating gossip, number one. The secret isn't yours to tell. And then number three, sharing puts another at risk. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. Yes. Oh my goodness. So Cheryl, I thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was great, great conversation. I'm sure the people are going to be looking for you. So tell the people where they can follow you, where they can find you, what you have coming up. Give us all the deets. Yeah, it's real simple. It's Cheryl Jackson Radio, Cheryl Jackson Radio, Cheryl with a C. Uh, Cheryl Jackson Radio on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, well, X, um, uh, Threads, TikTok, um, Cheryl Jackson Radio, real, real simple. Um, CherylJacksonAnti.com is the website. And yeah, when you follow me on socials, you've got, you know, you can, you know, find out all things me. So I'd love to have you as followers. Yeah. 
Yes, you all have to follow her. So for all of you all that love me, I can say that there are a few people that I, I attribute my success to, and she is one of them. So please, please, please follow her. And she's always doing a lot of things. Like y'all gonna have a hard time keeping up with her, but go ahead on the follow, okay? Okay, Cheryl, you ready for the motivational moment? Yes. This one comes from Oprah. So Oprah said, what I know for sure is speaking your truth is the most powerful tool we all have. So ladies, remember, life and death is in the power of the tongue. So be sure to use your power wisely. Until we meet again. Pray, work, slay. And show off your melanated excellence. Bye, Bye. everybody. Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations is produced by Nicole Lee Plenty and Janine Brunson-Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us. You can follow Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations on IG at Oh, That's Deep, BWC. Oh, that's deep. Black Women Conversations is a mean old lion media production. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.